One of my goals with the Secret Podcast is to make the supernatural more natural and the paranormal more normal. These are events and occurrences that happen as a part of our natural and normal everyday lives. We've just been conditioned to ignore them and deny their existence. Well, it's time to undo that conditioning. I'm proud to announce that Ray Davis and I of Sixth Sense Media have created our own Sixth Sense Media clothing line. We can't always go up to somebody and say, hey, what do you think about disclosure and UFOs and aliens on the earth? But you can wear one of our Disclosure Now t-shirts and get people's attention. Start the conversation or connect with another like-minded person who sees your shirt. If you're a truth seeker or someone looking to enact positive change in the world, why not wear it with pride? Connect with other like-minded truth seekers and become the change you want to be and see in this world. Visit SixthSenseMedia.net, click on the store tab, and become the change you were born to inspire. Visit SixthSenseMedia.net, click on the store. Welcome to Truth Seekers. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. But there's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Secret Podcast with Six Sense Media. It's the show that challenges reality, questions that which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change making the paranormal feel quite normal and the supernatural quite natural. That's exactly what I aim to do once again on this episode of The Seeker Podcast. Tonight we have a real treat, my friends. Daz Smith, the Daz Smith interview part one, talking about his remote viewing experience, how he got involved in it, what he went through. It's a fascinating conversation that Daz and I had. This, this episode is brought to us by the Crypto Viewing team, which you can find at CryptoViewing.com. I'll say it again, CryptoViewing.com. CryptoViewing.com. Check it out. Also, check out Dick Allgaier's YouTube page where he has daily updates on what's going on. And uh, my, my thanks to them, to my team there, for letting me release this on this platform for all of you out there uh, because it's great to listen to. Um, and again, i got to give a plug to Crypto Viewing for, for what they are piecing together. I, I can't get into everything that we cover on that platform uh, for a variety of reasons, but what we're putting together is fascinating. And, and I said it last week, and I'm going to say it again, follow the money and you're really going to see, uh, you know, a lot of this is just open source research, but we, we've got some people that are well, well understand this so much better. And we're, you want to talk about a conspiracy theory. I mean, it's not even a theory at, at this point. You just want to see how things are connected. Um, and conspiracy doesn't have to always have to mean something nefarious. It's just, you know, more than one person working together to do something, sometimes in secret or behind the scenes here. Let's use it that way. But, man, everything is connected. And it's, it's just exciting to... Not just to be a part of it, but to watch this unfold and working with the viewers and seeing what they can do. Um, so a shout out to my team members there. So check them out, CryptoViewing.com, and, and check out Dick's YouTube channel every day um, as we're tracking the market, as we're watching cryptocurrencies rise and make their way. You know, I was having a conversation um, with my wife the other day, 
and she uses an app called called Waze on her phone. And uh, what it does, uh, you know, I was, I was looking at it while we were driving the other day because she had it on, and it makes a note when there's a disabled vehicle on the side of the road and as you drive by you click a button to say yep the vehicle's still there it alerts you when there's police officers sitting on the side of the road you click a button it alerts you when you're there and she goes oh yeah and then we get points for it too and i'm sitting there going wow you see this is a precursor to what's coming with cryptocurrencies you're being entrained to interact with these apps and this software to gather data and send that data out to this hub so it has all the data that it can possibly gather and then you get rewarded for uh, participating with that right now it's giving points but in the future you're going to be able to earn cryptos through that a, a whole new economic system is it's coming the 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 foundation is there uh and it's relevant to what it, what I talk about on the show on so many levels um but I think that's it's it's worth your investment in time and in in some of your uh your funds there to understand what's going on and how this market is changing because this can be a scary thing if you don't understand it. And I promise you, this isn't a fear-based statement, my friends. Um, but it was scary for me when I was first told about this. But the market hasn't shifted in that capacity yet. And I've had some time to digest it and to gain at least a loose understanding. So I'm not intimidated by it anymore. So when this shift happens, and I promise I'm not talking like New Age or this grand conspiracy with no facts to back it up. Um, when this change happens to our economy, if you understand it, how it works, how cryptos work, how to buy cryptos, how to use cryptos, how to save and store your cryptos securely, you're not going to hit the panic button. You say, oh, okay, yeah, all right, that system went away and this one's here and I already know how to use it. That's all I'm saying. So check it out. It, it, you know, start, start doing your research. Start learning about how this works. I can't say that enough. All right. Uh, I'm looking forward to sharing this conversation with Daz, with all of you. Um, he's just a nice guy, man. And the experience he has, you know, uh, it, it just he resonated with me in, in everything that he was saying, in hearing his journey, how he's he's felt this internal sense of of pulling in this direction. And he, he'll talk about this in the interview, how he just knew that this was something he wanted to do or he had his intuition was leading him um, and obviously if you listen to me talk all the time that that really connected with me uh, and it lets me know that we're, we're not alone in these feelings that we have and these desires to learn about certain things and to do certain things we know something we know something our intuition is screaming at some of us and Daz is proof that if you follow that if you listen to that, you will find the path you need to be on. Uh, and you can develop these skills. That's been the whole premise of my show. That's the premise of my book. We all have this ability. We can tap into this ability and we can use it to enhance our lives. Now, not everybody can be a Michael Jordan, but we can all learn to play. You know, we're not all going to be the best in the world, but we can, every one of us can use our, our intuitive abilities more and more effective and better than we're using them now and the more that you practice and the more that you hone your craft the more accurate that skill will become and the more skills open up to you as i've talked about so many times okay one more commercial for me food for the archons my friends uh, i today i uploaded the uh the pdf version um into 
uh, you know, the software that I use to publish the book. It's all formatted. The cover, I have a few tweaks I'm doing as I, you got you upload it, you look at it, and it, it gives you this, uh, this digital proof to look through. And I, oh, there's an error there. So you got to go through, like one line was off. So I have to go move that one line and then it shifts my pages. So now I got to go back to my table of contents and I got to change every single page number for my, you don't want to hear me complaining about this, but it's a process. But you know what? I'm, I'm taking the time to be meticulous with these details. And I'm sure if I miss something, somebody's going to call me out on it. But I'm taking my time to be meticulous with this because this is my art. This is my craft. And it's, I'm proud of this. You guys know how long I've been working on this. So it's it's just it's just about there. Uh, I, I'm so excited. I know I've been saying this for, for five years, but it's five. No, shoot, we're going on six years now. But I'm almost ready. Um, I'm almost ready. I, I'm hoping to order the proof so I can hold it in my hand this week. That's that's my goal. Um, and then it's just a matter of setting the dates and starting to promote it and market it and get it out there. So that's what I'm really going to be leaning on you guys. Um, I don't push you hard with, with my promotions of things, but this is a project that if you've been with me, I'm going to ask you to, to support it. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm going to promote it pretty hard because it's it's an important um, it's an important work, and I think I think we can learn a lot if if you have that truth seeking bug, and you just look at the world and you go, man, something's off. I just don't know what it is. This book has a lot of information in there. It's a well researched book, uh, and it's experience based as well. So I'm excited to share that with all of you. Uh, I have a couple stories in the news, man. You want to talk about the, the last week we did the uh, the tech takeover, and I mean, oh my gosh, I got some good some good stories coming up here. Um, so I want to share these with you guys, and we can just see how this is evolving. So the first one, this headline is going to get your attention: sex robot threat, AI girlfriends quote indistinguishable from humans after major 5G upgrade. I don't know, is that a fear based? Statement on this comes from Daily Star. Uh, it says sex robots powered by high-speed internet, including 5G, will make them indistinguishable from humans, an expert has claimed. There's a little video on there. Now, every time the robot talks and moves her mouth, you can hear the gears going. But I got to tell you, these robots are incredibly lifelike. They still look a little silicone-y. Um, but they, I, I guess if you have the lights off, uh, and maybe, you know, have a drink or two and you, you know, they, they look like the real thing. I've never experienced a sex robot in my life. Um, but here's the thing about the sex industry. It drives technology. You look at streaming video and I know, I know I've mentioned this before and, and the, the porno industry, the, um, you know, that a lot of that developed through that. They wanted to stream porn on the internet and people pay money to watch that and to invest it and have higher quality and better quality. So the technology continued to improve. So let's look at a little bit of this article here. Uh, AI doll manufacturer Realbotics has recently fitted new models with Wi-Fi, enabling high-speed synchronizing for voice and animation. They also stand to benefit from 5G, which is poised to give us vastly superior mobile internet data. Here comes 5G again. This means sex robots will be able to connect and update without needing to be near an internet router. But sex doll collector Brick Dollbanger believes this technology will make them so realistic we won't be able to tell them apart from humans. Brick, who has close ties with robotics, told Daily Star Online, anytime you can get a steadier flow of information from software to hardware activation, 
you only get better synchronization and smoother, more lifelike movement from your hardware. So, and there's more. I'll have the links. I'm sure this will get a lot of clicks clicks in my uh, newsletter, given the content. But um, there's some pictures of the robots and stuff there too. It's an interesting article that we're seeing where technology is going. Robotics are developing humanoid, lifelike, human-like, humanoid, lifelike robots. They're coming. Well, maybe that's the wrong word to use. They, they're, they're going to be here. Um, and, and they're getting more and more lifelike. Whether they're used as sex bots or helpers around the house, um, we're going to have very lifelike robots. And once 5G's out... Um, I, I mean, it's it's amazing. And as this AI develops and comes online, and of course, you could take the Terminator dystopian route, which we've looked at and explored extensively in previous shows here. But um, to to just step back and look at, I mean, this is this is Westworld, what we're looking at the at the beginning of, I think. Um, so it's an interesting interesting read. Check it out. Read between the lines. See where this is going. But it's amazing. All right, here we go. Another tech giant here. This is from fastcompany.com. Would you let Amazon 3D scan your body for a $25 gift card? This is important. Amazon has already amassed a staggering amount of data about its customers. Now think about that. You know the data that Amazon has. I swear, you just think about something and I'm seeing ads for Amazon showing up on my feeds nowadays. So... um, This is more data that they want to gather about the human condition. This is a tech giant, so it should be no surprise the company wants to know even more about you. As Mashable notes, Amazon is now running a study that is looking for volunteers who allow their bodies to be 3D scanned. Amazon says the study is, quote, to learn about diversity among body shapes. Volunteers will go to Amazon's Union Square office in New York City, where they will be weighed and have their height measured. 3D scans, photos, and videos will then be taken of them in their everyday clothing. Next, Amazon will give them form-fitting clothing to wear. Women, you'll get a bikini or form-fitting shorts and sports bra to wear. Another set of 3D scans, photos, and videos will be taken. And for all this, one of the richest companies in the history of the world will give participants a $25 Amazon gift card. So this goes on and talks a little bit more about it. Um, you have to have this done before June 30th for $25 gift card. You know, again, what are they really planning? I mean, I'm sure this will help uh, to match clothing on people and get a better understanding of the human form. But what other virtual worlds are being created and what are the machines learning about us by this 3D body scan? What will it allow them to do what experience will that give you and again this stuff doesn't necessarily have to be all bad there you know you go back and forth i mean you think about you know from the gaming standpoint from being immersed in a a virtual world that would be pretty cool to have like an avatar experience but i do worry how much of that can you then unplug from and what is the cost of that and what will the machine learn about you by connecting to it with an avatar scenario into this virtual world. So more to come on that. I'm sure I'll be keeping an eye on that. Let's see here. Sticking with Amazon. Again, this one really hits me hard. This is from TheVerge.com. Amazon preparing a wearable that reads human emotions, says a report. Time to strap Alexa to your wrist and let it know how you really feel. 
In a week of eyebrow-raising headlines surrounding the U.S.-China trade spat, this last report from Bloomberg still manages to stand out. Amazon is said to be working on a wrist-worn, voice-activated device that's supposed to be able to read human emotions. This would be rather novel health gadget of the sort we're more used to seeing in tenuous crowdfunding campaigns instead of from one of the world's biggest tech companies. Bloomsburg has spoken to a source and reviewed internal Amazon documents, which repeatedly show that Alexa voice software team and Amazon's Lab 126 hardware division are collaborating on wearable in on the wearable in development. The device working in sync with a smartphone app is said to have microphones that can discern the wearer's emotional state from the sound of his or her voice. In a mildly dystopian twist, Bloomberg adds that eventually the technology could be able to advise the wearer how to interact with more effectively with others. Now, make no mistake about it, uh, what Bloomberg is commenting on uh, is not a could. That's coming. If you go back to Truthstream Media's uh, discussion through that Google internal training video, quote, end quote, um, where they talked about this ledger that's going to help set goals and teach you how to meet those goals and modify the behaviors and, quote, reward you, think about cryptocurrencies, for meeting those goals, this is the same thing, this infrastructure, this ecosystem that is being built here. It's, um, it's behavior modification is what we're looking at here. A couple things on this. The human emotions, tech is learning about so much about human emotions. Now, can we as a human being discern emotion from somebody's voice? Absolutely, to an extent. We can listen to somebody's voice, oh, they sound excited, they sound angry, they sound upset. Now we have AI that's uh, going to be able to do that. But I also wonder what else this device is going to measure. Because we know uh, electromagnetism coming out of the human heart as measured through the heart math studies. That also can measure human emotion. It can transmit and receive human emotion. And now we're going to have tech that does that as well. Well, what are the benefits of that? Well, that's gonna be able to tell if you're standing in a crowd and somebody gets agitated, somebody's thinking of committing a crime, or feeling that feeling that is consistent with somebody who commits a violent act. What happens when that AI then sends alerts out to law enforcement? Are we, are we getting into the precursor to pre-crime? Did you ever see Minority Report? So now you're going to have these devices that everybody is wearing, and those devices are going to be reporting on everyone around you, as does our hearts already. We just have forgotten how to read that information. But now you're going to have a machine doing the same thing we're capable of doing but are currently ignoring, and you're going to have some kind of enforcement agency out there that's going to know your exact geolocation as well. Do I sound crazy? Guess what? Put the pieces together. You're going to ha- know your exact location where you're at and say, this person's agitated. That agitation is a state of a precursor before somebody commits a crime or somebody commits a violent act. question is, will they actually commit that violent act or will they or someone else external be able to talk them down from committing that act? I don't know, but the potential exists. Well, what's the upsell? Well, we're going to reduce crime because we're going to catch them before they commit that crime. We're going to be able to justify our shootings now because we have their uh, Alexa readout, print, printed readout that says this person had an emotional response consistent with violent acts against law enforcement, so therefore we're able to justify using violence and force against that person. I could go on forever about this, my friends. I'm just speculating here, but the tech has that potential. 
What's the alternative? Tap into your own internal system that already exists. It's there. Look at the research. Where can I find it? Food for the Archons coming soon. Yes, I know another plug that's cheesy, right? But no, I, I've spent the last five, six years researching this, guys. And we have the ability to do everything that I just said. We have just not trained our senses to tap into it. All right, I've beat that one up enough. Uh, and I'm going to stop there because I want to get to Daz's interview. Uh, it's it's a great discussion, and, and you'll hear from Daz's experience how he has fine-tuned his intuitive abilities. And I think he stands as the potential that we can all strive towards. There's, there's um, training out there. There's resources out there. Now, Daz has a website remoteviewed.com remoteviewed.com is Daz's website if you want to know about remote viewing you need to go to remoteviewed.com and check out what Daz has he has compiled uh, the history of remote viewing um, the declassified documents I mean there's just tons and tons of content there so if you're skeptical about remote viewing if you're skeptical about the government's involvement in remote viewing Go to Daz's website and check it out and look at the wealth of resources that are there that are available um, and, and get your questions answered and then learn about how to remote view. He's got a beginner's guide to remote viewing there on his website as well. If you're serious about it, which I think that you should be given where the future is going and the fake news pandemic we're dealing with, remote viewing I think is a great way to help mitigate some of the confusion that's out there used in conjunction with other data. Let me give that caveat. It shouldn't be your end-all, be-all. Um, it's a lot of fun, too. So check it out. And then Baz has a, a magazine, 8 Martinis, as well, where it's uh, great interviews, great content about remote viewing inspired by uh, some Ingo Swan stuff as well. So check it out. It's a free publication, but Daz does have a donate button, and I encourage you to donate because he puts all of this out of his own pocket because of how important remote viewing is. Like I said, he's just a great guy, amazing guy. So um, check out that website, remoteviewed.com, and see what Daz is doing and is working on. It will be in the show notes and in the secret newsletter. Let me bring us to Daz's interview without further ado. I hope you enjoy, my friends. Here's Daz. Daz, how are you, my friends? I know, I'm fine, and it's great chatting to you again. It's uh, been a week. <laughs> Just a week, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. We haven't had an opportunity to sit down like this, so and I'm, I'm honored and excited to uh, to kind of get into a little bit more about your background. I've always heard your name thrown around, remote viewing circles. I've seen your work, um, you know, excellent stuff that you're doing. And now I think we can give our, our, our viewers, our subscribers, um, a little bit more insight into who Daz Smith is and kind of what, what you're all about. So uh, without further ado, let's start with the easy question. Um, you know, I guess the most anticipated, how did you get into remote viewing? How did this take us on that journey, Daz? Well, yeah. Um, I mean, I've always, always been into uh, paranormal um, mm -hmm. stuff, really. Um, I started when I was 10 years old. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I distinctly remember reading a series of um, paranormal books over and over, you know, as a young child. You know, it was books on things like ghosts and uh, UFOs, paranormal things. I just kept going back to the same books over and over. And I think it's a family thing, really, because uh, not long after that, 
my mother, uh, who's, who's passed now, um, she became interested in, in spiritualism in the spiritualist church. And she ended up spending a lot of years uh, in the spiritualist church, which kind of got me and my siblings involved as well. You know, we used to sing in the choir, all that kind of stuff. Um, so she trained as a clairvoyant and as a healer and a medium uh, in the spiritualist church. And of course, she started bringing all the books home then as well. And I got into that as well. So from the age of 15 onwards, I trained as a uh, clairvoyant medium and using all the, uh, what we call the traditional or classical psychic stuff. So it's like tarot cards, mm channeling mediumship uh, i even did uh, sand scrying tea leaf reading pretty much everything out there that people were doing at the time and then in 1992 um at a ufo conference up in leeds i heard an, a taped audio conversation with someone who said they were in uh, a branch of ufo research uh, called majestic 12 Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know who this was at the time. Uh, I do now. It turns out that it was a take conversation with um, ex-military trainer for the Stargate unit, uh, Ed Dames. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this in this take conversation, he was talking. This guy was talking about how he was working for the uh, the American military, and he was using psychics, and he was psychic himself, and they they were using psychics to go anywhere that they wanted. Course, being a young man uh, then, you know, hearing this and being interested in everything, it just blew my mind. So I made it my mission from that point onwards. And bear in mind, this was pre uh, pre internet. Yeah. Um, to eventually learn remote viewing. And, and that's what I've been pretty much, uh, yeah, pretty much doing since. But the interesting thing was that part of my uh, part of my psychic training when I was 15 years old, I kept a diary of all my experiences. And the very first page in that diary that I still have says that one day I will find a technique where you can use your mind to psychically travel. And this, this is when I was 15. Yeah. I didn't actually find it until I was 22 and I didn't actually training it in, for another five years after that. So yeah, there was a bit of a, de- I feel like there's a bit of a destiny thing going on there. You know, I was almost like I was, I was born to do this. Yeah, and that's a powerful uh, experience to have. You know, I've kept journals my whole life too. When I go back and read them, it's like, wow, I, I saw that coming. I didn't realize what I saw coming. Um, yeah. And you go back and you look at it and, and it reminds me, like when I go back and read my stuff, I sit there and think, wow, if you remember the show, like Unsolved Mysteries, um, they, they could have done an episode on on my life, you know, growing up. Yeah. It's not that feeling you get afterwards. Um Quick question about your, your, you know, your psychic training before remote viewing. What, what did that entail in terms of uh, your training that you went through? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's essentially in classes. So we, the classes were generally held at the local um, spiritualist church, and you know, they would consist of about, I would say, about twenty people, um, which sometimes whittled down a little bit. They went through like a two-year program with someone that was trained in, in as a psychic. So you would you would have daily classes. You know, you turn up one week and you'd have a class on where they teach you how to sense uh, someone's illnesses and then to try to use your own energy field to um, heal those energy uh, the, those those mm-hmm. things. And then the next week when you went along, it, it, it would be something completely different. And it was just like two years of that repeatedly going through all these classical techniques uh, just to try to open a person up and to yeah, enhance their, their natural ability, really. Do you, do you feel that you, you gained a lot of insight from that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I feel that that uh, unlike a lot of remote viewers out there, um, they didn't they weren't or and they weren't lucky enough to uh, live in a household like I was, whereas um, 
we had a big library of, of paranormal books because it was for, in my house, you know, from the age of 10 on up, it was normal. It, if you wanted to read a book on ghosts or, or psychic abilities or ESP, you weren't looked at as being crazy. There was, yeah. there was a library ready, readily available. So I was quite lucky. And I had that. And and the same with the classical training as well. Not a lot of remote viewers out there have spent, you know, I mean, in my classical training, I spent from 15 to, I think, 21 doing that. So that's like, you know, five or six years. So I spent that period, a, a big, long period of time, almost, you know, if you did that as a martial art, five or six years at a martial art level, you'd be like, right. you'd be like Brian or Black Belt level at that point. Right. Um, so I spent a similar amount of time in, in the classical psychic techniques. And yeah, so I think that's, that gave me a good platform to work on. And it also allowed me to um, see things when it comes to remote viewing from two different sides of the coin, because the remote viewing I do and what we do now, which is called CRV, and you know, it has all these acronyms. Right. That comes from the military and from science. So it's, it's quite regimented, quite straightforward, um, whereas the classical stuff's a bit more uh, airy-fairy. It's to do with shadows and yeah. energy fields, all that kind of stuff. So I'm quite lucky in the fact that it's a bit like a yin-yang. I've seen and, and I've practiced both sides of the uh, of the equation or the coin, um, and not a lot of people have, have managed to have that experience. Which do you prefer? Absolutely remote viewing. Uh, I love the, the classical stuff, and it does give you a lot of personal growth. Very good for personal growth. Um, and it is quite good for your intuition as well. But because they don't practice what they do within uh, blind protocols like we do with remote viewing, right. you know, sometimes sometimes they'll have the psychic sat across from the person they're giving the information to, you know. Um it's not as robust and I don't like that. You know, you can't tell if a psychic sat across from the person they're giving the information to, whether the information is psychic or if it's coming from natural tells like body language, smell, pheromones, yeah. micro movements in the face, all that kind of stuff. You know, cause we're, we're all creatures of habit and we're all creatures of a body language. Right. Um, so being, yeah, be doing it remote viewing wise, whereas you're never in contact with anyone that you're doing the targets with. No one, absolutely no one's in the room. Um, it's just a better process for me. I know absolutely every single time I do a viewing experiment that it's uh, it's 100% psychic information. Whether yeah. it's 100% psychic and, and accurate is a different thing, but I know that I'm not getting it from body language or from social cues or, or anything like that. That's a good point. I struggled with that for a while. Um, and you know, when I was a kid, same thing, you know, I went through some, some psychic training as a kid and then I was reading tarot for a while and I, I reached a point where I said, you know, I, I can read body language so well. It's called the, you know, the Barnum effect where you can just look at, you know, the neurolinguistics that the non, the nonverbals, and I can give you a full psychic reading and not be getting a, a bit of psychic data. As I got older and started really tapping into my own intuitive abilities, then I had to really focus on differentiating am i getting that from body language or am i getting that from somewhere else and it's tough and, and remote viewing i think it eliminates that doubt yes it lets you know yeah. i'm not looking i don't even know what i'm looking at here i'm just reporting whatever i'm getting from wherever Absolutely. yeah and i like the fact as well yeah as well that um the process i use crv controlled remote viewing I equate it to this. When I was doing my classical stuff, I felt like I was uh, traveling in a car and I was the passenger and the psychic experience was the driver. And every now and again, I'd get to look out the window like this and kind of experience something as I was passing. 
Right. Um, I equate CRV is me being now in the passenger seat and I'm driving the car. And if I want to stop the car and look at a certain point before I move on, then that that's me because I'm in control. Right. Yeah. That's a good analogy, Des. Um, and you have that ability with different movement exercises. I guess to even stop the car and get out for a moment, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That's pretty cool. What was your remote viewing training like? Well, I had a, I had a weird remote viewing training, to be honest. A lot of people out there now take training with, with instructors. And I did take a, a couple of days training with an instructor in CRV. Um, and it's a bit of a weird, well, in, in, in the fact that the, uh, the, the guy's name is, it was Lee Culver. And it was 1997, early days of the internet. And there was a really, uh, really uh, growing uh, discussion group, uh, but the discussion group that was growing on uh, about remote viewing at the time then, and it had all the military people like Lim Buchanan, Paul Smith, and all the other Stargate guys there. Um, and it was all by email, but it was all dialed by email, so there was no images, none of this. Right. Um, and at the time, there were no manuals in the public domain as well, so there were no CRV manuals or anything like that in the public domain. And I was just talking on one of these email lists one day and this guy called Lee Culver um, uh, contacted me by email and said, uh, I'm, a, I'm ex-Special Forces. Uh, I was trained in CRV. And bear in mind, with all my knowledge now, because I'm, I'm a bit of a history buff of, of remote viewing, you know, I've, I've looked at the entire Stargate archives and mm-hmm. all done the pieces. I, his name doesn't appear anywhere. So it's a bit of a, bit of a strange one in where he got his, you know, cause, and I did meet him, you know, he clearly was special forces from some of the things he told me and showed me. Right. Um, uh, and he still teaches uh, emergency medical techniques in Russia and places like that t- to this day. Right. Um, anyways, uh, I've never been able to track down his, his history anywhere of how he learned CRV, but I did manage to take a four day and he, and he, he was, he was kind of impressed with, with the things I was asking on the internet forum and he, he taught me and he, he offered me a remote viewing course in CRV in London for free. So essentially, I, I learned CRV for free off this guy. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those um, ethos I tried to uh, um, pass through for everything I've ever done since. You know, I got my big remote viewing website where I try to offer as much free as I, as I possibly can. Yeah. So, yeah, I, taught, I was taught off this guy. I can't, I can't, find, can't find any records of how he learned it, but he clearly taught me the original controlled remote viewing methods that were not public at the time. Uh, I've seen pictures of him, you know, in doing his thing. So I, I can, I'm absolutely sure he was special forces of some kind. I'm absolutely sure he works in the military and he's still teaching that kind of stuff to this day. Um, so that was my main teaching, but it was only four days. And pretty much I would say 98% of my real training came from asking questions to the other ex-ministry guys online through those early internet forums right. and through uh, the accumulative 20, 25 years since of, of just raw practice, really, you know, every, wow. every single week, you know, three to four targets every single week, good or bad for 25 years. Wow. That's amazing. And, and you know, my conspiracy minded brain is running wild saying, why did he contact you? Why did he train you for free? Why is there no record of him? I mean, obviously he, he knows what he's doing if he, if he trained you and you know what I mean? So he's the real deal. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, it was, it was all valid because um, at the time when I left the course, um, I even did a trade with him. Uh, I traded a couple of book, uh, rare books that I collected mm-hmm. in return for a, 
a word copy of the original uh, CRV manual. And as I said, at the time, it just was not public. It wasn't available anywhere. Yeah, back then, no. He taught me CRV and he had the original manual as well. So he must have got off someone. And there was only a, you know, there was only a small group of people at that time that had yeah. this available material. As I said, I haven't been able to track down anything else about him. He's still out there somewhere. Uh, occasionally teaching CRV to, to people, but mainly mainly in Russia, I believe. Uh, and I think he does emergency emergency rescue training now for people, so, uh, you know, in, in America somewhere. But I haven't had any, uh, yeah, I haven't had any email or any other contact with him since I took the training in, I think it was 96. Wow. Wow, that's really cool. Uh, and really, my brain's going to run with that one for a while, Daz, just knowing how, how this world kind of operates, well, so. Yeah, as we said, it's, it's kind of strange because, as I said, I wrote that I was going to do this when I was 15 years old. Yeah. I didn't find remote viewing until I was 22. Then I didn't train in it for another five years after that. And I trained in it because this guy randomly got hold of me through a, a news group talking about remote viewing. And then he offered it for free for me because at the time I was unemployed. Right. There were there's so many synchronicities. things there. Yeah, that, uh, you know, it's, it's very strange how it's worked out. I mean, do you think that there's obviously something higher, something advanced or intelligent that's guiding you down this path? I think so. Uh, I think because I wrote about it that many years ago. Yeah. And I've been obsessed by this kind of stuff all, all, all in my entire life. It le- and through some of my classical work as well, my channeled information, cause as well as doing the remote viewing stuff on the side for 15 years, I was part of a, um, a classical psychic group where we receive channeled informations off of uh, discarnate kind of non-physical beings, all that kind of stuff. Um, so that side of it, with the remote viewing side, all those coincidences, it led me to believe that there's uh, there's an absolute plan for everyone. Everyone's here on this planet for a reason. Um, and I feel that I've probably just been lucky enough to have uh, intuitive, intuitively found my, my reason early enough for me to be able to develop develop it know it because there's no other reason there's no other reason why i would have wrote that when i was 15 yeah and been obsessed all these years since and being in the position i'm uh hopefully getting myself into today as being someone a bit more knowledgeable in in this subject matter yeah absolutely does and a, a quick you know replug again your i mean your website at, at remoteview.com it does have a wealth of uh, information for free for yeah. anybody to go look at you've got a uh, even the the introduction to remote viewing um, is that what it's called? The Instruction Remote Viewing Guide? Or is that right? Yes. Yeah. Guide to Remote Viewing. There it is. Um, yeah. So lots of great stuff. You've got the whole history of the Stargate program. There's so much information on there as well. It's, yeah. it's just a wealth of information. Um, and I'm thankful that there's that there's people like you out there. Um, you know, I, I've been trying to find as much information as I can throughout my entire life. You know, I recently watched the, um, the remote viewing documentary, Third Eye Spies, and yeah. I was so taken at the end by Russell Targ, how, you know, he had all this stuff that he could have gone into that sounds really cool and covert. And he's like, I just want to give this to you yes. for yeah. free. He, he understands the value yeah. of it. Yeah. Uh, and, and that, you know, that's kind of how they ended the movie. And that really touched me. And I hear that in you and I see what, what you've got um, because this is something that anybody can tap into. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you think this can benefit, you know, the, you know, the world thinking, you know, large scale, but how do you think this can benefit a society? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, 
at the moment it's still small scale and to be honest remote viewing is a very small niche uh right. area of an entire you know the psychic everyone interested in psychic abilities and stuff is is a, is a massive i think that's some i think i saw a recent poll it's like a two billion dollar industry in the u.s of the psychic yeah. industry but that's you know a lot of that's uh, you know a lot of that's the dubious stuff with the core lines and the tv psychics all that kind of yeah. stuff yeah so remote viewing is a very small niche um but the potential of it, you know, it's just, I mean, I've been doing it 25 years now and I have not seen or experienced uh, a project or an area where remote viewing cannot go and where it cannot get information. You know, we could, you know, and we are explorers. We could, go to, we could be uh, very cost-effective early exploration devices to look at planets on the far reaches of space. You know, if if science would just open up just that little bit more, yeah, and use uh, use remote viewers as another information stream, it's a very cheap, cost-effective uh, tool. But you know, there's so much we could do. You know, we can look at oh, medical illnesses. We can look at cures for cancer. We can look at you know, try and look at technologies into the future. We're only just. I would think at this stage, um, and you know, crypto viewing is leading, leading yet almost like the cutting edges. Really, yeah. we're only just really now starting to explore what we can do with this intuitive ability. And you know, the fact that everyone's got it, you know, everyone's got a gut feeling. All the right. top CEOs in the world say that they make all their best decisions on their gut feeling. Yeah, which is, you know, which is just what we're doing. It's just I've I've honed my gut feeling that little bit more than the average person. Um, so I see the potential as being absolutely massive. Um, it's just whether we will get the uh, the funding to do that, you know, because everything out there uh, needs funding. Um, right. if, if there were a little bit of funding put beyond remote viewing and, and the right team of people, I could see it doing uh, absolutely amazing things, to be honest. Yeah. I, I, I agree, Des. Uh, the potential. I mean, just looking at at uh, things like the Time Cross Project, and uh, you know, even what we're doing with our with our monthly predictions. I always thought, imagine if we had a team in every town, in every township, yes. every county. Yeah they could narrow their focus. So then they'd recognize, Oh, that's where this building is, you know? Oh, and we happen to have a hurricane coming this week. Yeah. We need to move our resources, you know? So Absolutely. And you know, if you had the funding behind that as well, to then link all those into one central database, which then analyzed all the data and then, you know, st- put out statistical predictions yeah. of, you know, we have a hundred remote viewers around the world, 50 of them in Spain or, or near Spain say that there's going to be a localized, uh, earthquake within the next 30 days. That's yeah. the kind of information that people might find useful. And, you know, it could even save lives if you properly. I, I completely agree, Daz. If you're looking at disaster and target areas, and that gets in a whole other wild thing. If you're seeing that timeline and then you make a change, what happens? That, you know, does it branch off? Yeah. I mean, what, you know, you're glitching the matrix here. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, it's a, uh, it's a crazy subject. We, and, you know, even with the, uh, with the Stargate program that was done by the uh, CIA, uh, you know, uh, the American military and uh, the, the lab SRI. They spent 23 years looking into it. Yeah. Uh, and they couldn't come up with a solid conclusion for how remote viewing works or how being psychic works. And to this day, you know, all these years later, I think we're talking about another 15 years on top of that, we still don't have a good theory for how, how this works. We're kind. Of, I'm kind of leaning more towards it's to do with... Um, quantum mechanics, you know, quantum entanglement, holographic universe, all that kind of stuff, where it, all the information is just distributed everywhere. 
because yeah. you know I don't feel and I never have felt that when I sat when I sit down and I sit down at this desk here when I sit down at this desk here and I do a remote viewing with a stack of white paper and a pen I don't feel that there's any part of me that's you know going to let's say the target's the moon I don't feel like I, any part of me goes to the moon it's almost like every piece of information that's available about the moon is actually uh, within every molecule of my body so I'm just accessing the information that's everywhere like the holographic universe, basically, you're yeah. a fractal yeah. part of it. You know, it's interesting. Um, Whitley Strieber, one of his books, uh, it, was, it was The Key, he called it. He was visited by some strange guy in the night, never knew who he was, didn't know if he was from the future. But one of the things that he said, and I, I started this with my research, it, and it really blew me away. He says, there's a, we have another organ. It's an electromagnetic organ that's connected to the central nervous system that sits just above the skin. And it's, uh, it, it, it says something about the quantum particles are in superposition and it gives you the ability to access everything. Um, and you can learn to enhance this organ and, and train it and make it better and stuff. And I was like, wow, that yeah. describes a lot of the, you know, at least the experiences people have with remote yeah. viewing. Yeah. Matters. I've read that book. I'll have to go back through it and, and reread it to try and find that out because that, that would be quite, um, quite apt for, for, for where we're going with where we're thinking with this yeah. right now. Yeah. And it, it works with me as well because, you know, I'm not a religious person or I say I'm not a religious person. I believe in some kind of organizing structure right there because I don't believe yeah. any of this chance. So I do, I believe in the, a God type entity, but I don't believe it's like a gray bearded man. Sat right. I just feel that none of this is, none, none of this is happening by chance. You know, there does seem to be some kind of order to everything. Right. Even the non-physical life forms I've spoken to, they kind of indicate that there's some kind of order and structure and plan. Yeah. So I feel that there's something there. And what you were saying with the electromagnetic thing fits in perfectly as well, because um, I trained in martial arts for years as well, so full contact karate, uh, tai chi, kung fu, and all that, mm-hmm. um, and qui gong. Um, and I, I, my kind of belief on religious structure is actually quite similar, and I know it sounds quite corny to some people, but it's, but it's actually very similar to the... Uh, and it's an emerging uh, religion in its own right now. But the, uh, the the Jedi's that are portrayed in the Star Wars films. Yes, there. It, it, I just watched that uh, a week or two ago. I was talking about it on my show. They yeah. they even go through it. How everything is connected to every rock. Everything in the entire yes. universe is connected. I mean, they, he describes it to the letter. And back when that came out, I had no idea what he was talking about. But if no, you me not neither. But how that's presented. If, if I had to describe, and when people ask me what, how, how my religious beliefs, I have to say the closest I can find yeah. at this stage in my life, and it, it is a big building emerging religion around the world anyway, right. is what they call Jediism, which is yeah. you know the Jedi kind of thing from the films. Because you know, my research and my teaching and learning through Qui uh, Gong and Kung Fu and that, mm-hmm. uh, and all that Eastern mythology just teach you that you are connected to this chi energy that flows yeah. through this force uh, which is like the force you know I, I'm, obviously the people that made star wars took bits and pieces from religions and put them together to make this this jedi right. kind of order yeah. um so they they borrowed from these these religions anyway but yeah that's what i believe i believe that there's this force or this drive this energy that connects everyone in this universe chi uh, it used to be called in, in the in the early 19th century. They used to call it etheric energy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so etheric energy, chi, life force, whatever you want to call it. it I believe it yeah. does connect everything, and it's out there. And I think it might even be the carrier signal for this 
uh, non-local information that you know that, yeah. as you said, might be accessible through this electromagnetic kind of organ system. I, I completely agree. I um, you, and if you look at the electromagnetism, the sun has an electromagnetic component. The Earth has electromagnetic component. It's, I mean, it's all tied. We're in like one giant uh, in Wi-Fi internet, is how I. I Absolutely, it. yeah. I, you know, it could it could just be something as simple as simple as that, and we may be looking in in the wrong direction. Yeah, it may just be the fact that we're all you know we're connected to everything in the universe, and that's that seems to be what life forms of Toby, and that seems yeah. to be what I've experienced as well. You know, yeah. there's no, there is no place a remote viewer can't really go although i would put a caveat on that the more we try to look into the future the more unstable the uh, the accuracy is right and and that brings me up to uh you know a question there's nothing is hidden and have you ever encountered maybe being blocked or pushed back or or or? No, no not once i mean you know i've done lots of work for people like farsight and courtney brown uh, and others, and they've they've come to their own conclusions, saying, "Oh, maybe you found it hard to get to this target because you were blocked or this kind of thing." Um, I haven't physically or or in any way felt any kind of blockage or any kind of hindrance along the way. You know, sometimes remote viewers just doesn't have a good session, so you know they just yeah. don't. You know, because we are, you know, we're we're things where we're physical beings where everything in life affects us. You know, we may right. just be ill not had enough sleep the night before, worrying right. about how we're going to pay the rent. Anything like that can make the accuracy go off. So I personally haven't seen anything that, that or felt that there's any target that I cannot go to yet. Uh, I, and I say yet because, you know, there's obviously millions right. more great targets that I'd like to do, but I, you know, I haven't found anything. And, you know, if anyone sees my work, they see that, you know, I, I've talked to talked to beings that were at Roswell, Area Fifty One, on the Phoenix Lights UFOs. Uh, there's projects where I've talked to and got information from beings on Mars, the Moon, other planets. You know, and you know, with my other research that I done, psychic research, which wasn't remote viewing, I spent twenty odd years talking to uh, channeled kind of entities that are existing all around us. You know. If people only realize that we're not alone um, and the entire uh, stratosphere around Earth itself is just teeming with these non-physical life forms. And, so, you know, we don't even, you know, we don't even know how to classify them. Some of them, some of them don't even have like, if you, if you try to describe a shape, they don't have a shape. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's very hard in, in, in to describe, but it, it, yeah, it's all out there. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't see any limitations to it, to anything, and I, I don't feel blocked in any way. I Do think, you, I think people impose their own blocks, though. You know, if you believe as a person okay. deeply that if you went to a certain place, it would hurt you, then going to that place would would hurt you. It's a bit like how it works with um, with voodoo magic. You know, it's your belief system yeah. that's that's imposing. It's a bit like the Matrix in the Matrix films. If you believe it, it makes it it makes it real, and right. you, it then that's know. coming back to the quantum double slit experiment, basically, too. The yeah. observer, and it, it reminds me of, of Bob Monroe's work, his final book, where he talks about how they were, um, it's, it's their life, their life cross, their lifeline. It's something life, one of their programs that they have where they help people transition after their their physical death. Yeah. And what he was finding was that people would be with him as they're traveling, and all of a sudden they they disappear. And he says they got pulled into their belief system, whatever their predominant belief was. Yeah, that's where they would end up because you're they have especially on 
that, I guess, on that side. Yes. Such yeah. a powerful creative force coming out of you. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think it's fully formed, but I, I believe right. to a certain degree, uh, our belief systems and, and our thoughts on our intent, uh, it doesn't create the world around us, but I do believe it affects the world around us. Yes. Yeah. I did a, I did a show on that, looking at uh, just the power of Hollywood and the and the news media and the way things stories are geared. Uh, if yeah. if we really do have that power of conscious, at least influence or manipulation, yeah. on the massive scale that we're doing, I mean, just look at the Maharishi effect. One percent of a population can influence a given area. Yes, yeah. what we've got going on now, and we understand the mechanism. You look at things like the heart math studies that furthers the electromagnetic uh, carrier signal. Yeah, I mean, what a powerful tool that is. To Absolutely, yeah. a, you know the the direction of a of a of a world really. And, we, and we've hardly touched on it. You know, um, yeah. it's only now, uh, and because it's changed its name. You know, we, we uh, the uh, the practice of meditate what I call meditation, which has now changed its kind of form and name to mindfulness to make right. it more attractive and more uh, modern. Yeah. Um, that alone is is and you know for anyone out there practicing this kind of this kind of thing. Um, just very small uh, five, 10, 15 minute meditations is absolutely the best tool a person could use in their daily yeah. life and for, for learning the art of remote viewing and, and being intuitive, you know, just being able to sit yourself down and calm yourself and get rid of all the noise, check out all the noise from the daily life that impedes upon us. That is an amazing tool. But that alone, you know, if, if we taught people from an early age to to meditate and, you know, get into states of mindfulness, that would have huge benefits for, for society and health. Yeah. I'm doing that with my children now. My oldest is uh, not even seven yet. My youngest is two. So we do mindfulness techniques every day. And then I've showed him a few things, how to navigate using his intuition. Like we'll go out in the woods. I'll say, okay, find home. And he's got to spin around and find the direction. And now he's yes. telling me, daddy, I listened to my heart and I found this and I connected to that. And then, uh, and we just watched Star Wars uh, this month for the first time. I got him through the first three in release order. <laughs> I thought that the force is a great way to explain spirituality to my kids. Basically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's pretty neat stuff. It's, it's how I do it. And it's how I, I kind of live my life. So yeah, when I answer all these forms, you know, you get the forms for the post uh, for voting and stuff. And it's like, what religion are you? Closest I ever, I can think to put. And I did, I did it as a joke. I don't know if people know this, but we had a census in the UK about six years ago. Right. And there was this meme going around that, you know, make it, make, put Jedi on it to make it like a, a to be recognized as an official religion. And, it, and there were millions of people that did it. And of course, it yeah. mucks up their senses. But it, for me, it is the closest, uh, closest I can feel to having a, a, a true religion, you know, so like a cross between uh, being a, a Jedi type thing, you know, without all the swashbuckling and all that right. stuff like that. But the actual sentiment of, this life force that's in us and we're all connected to everything in the universe and to try to live your life as well um, in a manner of being respectful to others and trying to help others because it's uh, it's more about uh, I believe life is more about helping other people uh, and loving other people than it is about our material things like who's got the best car and the biggest house kind of thing. Right. And I have to say, though, you know, as far as your, your Jedi stuff, uh, you have had that warrior training through your martial arts experience. And I don't think yes. that's a, an accident. You know, a friend of mine sent me a, a meme the other day 
Uh, and it said, a student said to his master, you teach me fighting, but you talk about peace. How do you reconcile the two? And the master replied, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. I think that, you know, I, I think that once you're on that path, you're also drawn to that other martial yes. because there's, there's, there's so much you learn beyond just fighting about yeah, yeah. everything. Yeah. You know, I mean, so. martial arts is, uh, I would say that's another, uh, maybe uh, it's obviously not a coincidence that I was interested in that as well, but it's another really good, you know, for anyone's thinking of uh, uh, learning or enhancing their intuitive ability, any kind of martial arts, but more yeah. specifically the ones like uh, Hui Gung, Tai Chi, Kung Fu, Kung the Fu, ones yeah. that, yeah, the ones that really get into the, you know, you moving the energy throughout your body and expelling yep. the energy and, and stuff. They're they're absolutely amazing to uh, to helping you you know advance your kind of intuitive and and just general well being really. Um, yeah. But any martial art would do it because you know essentially when you're getting in the stage and you're practicing your patterns and you're doing your repetition of your kicks, you are in uh, you are in an altered state. You're in the yep. you're in the zone doing that, which then releases you from all the daily stress that people heap upon us. Which serves as those blockages when you're trying to connect to your absolutely. Um, you know, there are people, there are people out there that do not, and we knew, we know this because the, you know, the Stargate program itself, when it was when it's being developed, came across multiple people that just because of their religious and their beliefs, they just wanted it shut down. Yep, there are people out there uh, for their various greedy reasons, mainly um, <laughs> greedy and and yeah personal reasons do not want people to develop their intuition and their, and their natural size. Yeah. And, and that's scary. And that's why, you know, it's invaluable to have sites like yours. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you saw the documentary to third eye spies and they're kind of hinting in that the makers are hinting that there's very good evidence that, you know, something nefarious probably happened to Pat Price, who was yep. the, one of the world's top, you know, accurate psychics at, the, at that time in, in the seventies. Yeah, yeah, and then so, he, yeah, you know, you, you also have to you, when you're doing this kind of stuff, you have to be a little bit careful as well because um, people don't like it, and if they knew, you know, if if it, be, it comes to the stage of there are no more secrets, and you know, remote viewing and remote viewers can go anywhere, can get any information, um, they they may find try to find ways to quiet that person. You're a major threat. They they can't keep a secret. Yeah, I would have thought so. Um, yeah, you have to be a little bit careful. I know. I know there are people like uh, Courtney Brown that are very, um, very wary of this. What he's doing and, and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I'm a bit more of a big mouth. I just can't keep my mouth shut, so I'm out there just doing what I do. Um, but at the same time, you know, you have this feeling in your back of mind. You know, one day will you just disappear in a car accident? Or yeah, I, I worry about that a lot, Daz. Not a lot, but I, I have those thoughts with. Uh, yeah, yeah. With you because know, it, it would be you know it'd be fairly easy you know to have a heart attack or, or, you know, one of those, one of those things happening. I mean, we know these kind of people have those kind of tools. Yeah. Um, so that's always at the forefront of my mind is, uh, how far can I push it? Yeah. Well, yeah. You 
Um, you, you know, and with all the projects out there, uh, I'm still alive, so I'm all right so far. But so, so far, you haven't hit the hot buttons yet. <laughs> Not yet. No, you never know. You never know what what one might well, be the one that I know. I know. Well, hey, let's. Um, we're gonna probably do this into a, a second session for our subscribers to see our moon discussion because I want to get to that. Um, but I want to ask just two more questions here about your remote viewing experiences, um, and, and they're simple ones. But uh, what what was your favorite target? Your favorite experience as a viewer. Oh. Um, it's not so simple, but it's not a simple um, <laughs> favorite. I would say it's one that's on free, free on video on YouTube, and it's uh, and the bit that's on YouTube for free is something that me and Dick put together. Dick did all the hard work of making the video, um, but when we were doing a video for Farsight and Courtney Brown on the JFK uh, assassination. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh, I accidentally slightly went off target and cause I knew it was someone being killed and assassinated. And I followed that person through the process of their death and transition to a new state, Yeah, which was slightly off target cause it wasn't what Courtney was interested in doing. And I think I spent at the time, you know, an hour doing this on video and Courtney didn't want to use it because uh, it, it wasn't part of his focus. Right. So me and Dick put out our own video of yeah, showing that information of me following someone, uh, yeah, through, uh, which was essentially John F. Kennedy through his death process and going through to the other side and, what, and what, what happened to him. So I think that that's probably my, my best one because it gave me some kind of reassurance that, uh, that, Although I wouldn't cast it as a heaven because I, I haven't got that kind of belief structure, it, it, showed, it showed me that there is something going on there and, and yeah. there is something that does continue after death in some form. Yeah. Wow. That, that gave me chills, Dad, listening to that. That really uh, that resonated with me. That's amazing. Um, another remote viewing question. What was your scariest target that you've ever encountered? Something that really just like shook you. Yeah, my scariest was, uh, and it wasn't officially remote viewing um, because I was doing it in my other psychic group, but it was kind of half remote viewing because I felt like I was like, yeah, doing a half remote viewing technique at the same time. And it was just a wandering through an underground um, military facility. And I felt it was something somewhere like Area 51. Mm -hmm. And I felt myself wandering or kind of swayingly moving through these uh, tunnel system, coming into a big room and seeing um, small, typical grey-like life forms, uh, right. or at least one of them, led on a bed. And the bed thing was at like a 45-degree angle and he was just led there and looked like he was uh, dead and stuff and bear in mind i, I was i was only there uh intuitively or psychically right. um but you know i kind of wandered out psychically wandered over to this this being on this table you know peering over looking at it uh only for it to open its eyes and look up towards where i was psychically being so it was almost like it felt like i was there right. psychically watching it um and then it jumped off the table, but and I always thought, and I and, and the stuff I've read about the, the grays is the, you know, they're all kind of like weak and willowy and you know, thin in their movements and stuff. But this thing kind of jumped off the table in, in a weird kind of cat-like, strange, yeah. um, really predatory movement, which scared the hell out of me. Because um, yeah. it, it, it was very aggressive, very predatory. And in the moment as it kind of like leapt towards me, I was like, that was when I pulled myself out of the whole thing. I was like, whoa, this is just like way off bat. 
predatory is a, uh, I wish you would have found a different word to use other than predatory dad. Now I'm a little scared too. <laughs> <laughs> it was That's very, very, yeah. yeah, I can't speak. It was very, you know, it was like, a, it was like a, um, a, a lion or a cat type animal that kind of crouched and moved, but the yeah. way it moved and the speed it moved and the way it looked, yeah. yeah, very aggressive, very predatory. It was like that was that was scary, and in fact, it was doing that to me, and I wasn't physically there, but it knew I was there watching it. it was a yeah, bit of a bit of a scary one. Wow, uh, a thousand other questions are coming up, but in the interest of time, I'm going to have to <laughs> not ask them at least right now. Maybe we could do another session. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I could I could go on. Same thing when I talk to to Edward and Dick, I could just go on and on and on with them. Um, so I think what we're going to do for our subscribers out there. Um, we're going to make this part one of our session and then we're going to go on and we're going to do part two. Um, so any final thoughts for this part one, Daz, that you want to, uh, and part two, we're going to talk about the moon and your experiences on the moon. Any, any, um, anything else you want to add to, uh, yeah, if anyone's interested, you know, they can find out all they want from, uh, my website, remoteview.com. There's tons of free stuff there. There's a free magazine that I produce. I think I'm on issue 17 of that. That's got tons of stuff as well. And just try it. Try it for themselves. So the only way they can do this is try it for themselves. And I'm doing a screen share of it right now here at remoteview.com. Um, where are we at? Here's here's the home page here. And then there's uh, just a ton of information here. Your beginner's guide to remote viewing, which takes you Yeah, I have, I have videos on there. Hundreds yeah. and hundreds of examples. There are Stargate documents that have been released from the Freedom of Information Act. Right. There's loads of free um, remote viewing manuals on there that they can use. Yes, literally tons of stuff. It's all for free. A lot of stuff. And then here's your eight martinis magazine here. Um, yes. You know, and, and it's important, you know, this is, this is out there for free, but if you appreciate what you're getting, the value of it, because this comes out of Daz's pocket to, to give this information, yes. if you can, please, uh, please donate. We need to get a crypto donation uh, button up there too, Daz. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. 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 Um, but, but check it out. Uh, at, at, it's eight Mark. I'm sorry. This is eight martinis for that one. Uh, yeah. You can find that all at remoteviewed.com. Yeah. And eight martinis is a great phase. It came from the creator of remote viewing Ingo Swan. And essentially he was having a meeting with a, a, an Intel guy one day. And he's, and they talk about uh, the data was so good from the remote viewing that they had to go out and have eight, eight martinis to recover. Wow. I love that. I love that history there, that, that tie into it. That's awesome. Okay. Well, we're going to, uh, we're going to end part one here and we're going to come back and we're going to have a, uh, a, a deeper conversation specifically about the moon. And uh, Daz has, has quote been there several times and the consistency among his, his blind experiences uh, and what he found there. So uh, more to come. Stay tuned, my friends. Thanks for watching. What a great interview that was. Uh, he, he's so easy to talk to, uh, and he's got so much great experience, and, and he's so willing to share uh, you, you know, how he learned, what his journey was, and how you can go and learn. It, and it's not easy. It's not you're just going to spend an hour, a couple hours, and say, oh, I can remote view. You may have some cool experiences with a short amount of time, but to really learn it, uh, you know, you got to take the time to do it. But Dad's put a ton of resources out there. Uh, but it was neat hearing his journey, hearing his experiences, the people that he's met, um, and the way that he was trained. Um, just really cool. And, and when we get into the moon stuff, let me tell you, wow. Uh, and that's what's so cool about remote viewing is that you can verify that it in fact works to gather information. And you have reliable viewers out there. And then you look at Daz's track record, and then you listen to what he has observed 
on the moon and it's fascinating and you look at other viewers who have looked at the same targets on the moon blind to the target and they have similar data fascinating i i can't stress enough how how honored i am to uh have an opportunity to to speak with someone like daz and, and the rest of the team and everybody that i've met through this platform and and that i'm just thankful i'm so thankful for this platform um you know the secret podcast and six sense media and everybody that i've met um, because i've i've learned a lot um and that's one of the driving factors why i do this why i do the show every week why i do the newsletter why i write my books um because as i'm learning as i'm on this quest for knowledge following that intuitive pull from within telling me go here learn this ask about this i then get to meet wonderful people um knowledgeable people with like daz and understand that this world is not what it seems my friends and if you're listening to this show you definitely understand that so i'm definitely out of time here um more to come i, I will uh check on getting part two out as well um, but a big thank you to the crypto viewing team again cryptoviewing.com you can check out their patreon page where we really get into the nitty-gritty stuff um and then check out dick allgaier's um, youtube page as well and i'll have the links for all of that in the show notes at sixcentsmedia.net but a big thank you to them to the crypto viewing team for allowing me to share this interview this discussion that daz and i had and don't forget go to sixcentsmedia.net where you can get a lot of great content. Ray Davis is constantly putting stuff up there. He's working hard on book two of Anunnaki Awakening. He's got his daily affirmations up there. He committed to 365 days of affirmations. You want some positivity in your life. Listen to what Ray Davis has. You can reshape your mindset and reshape your life by listening to his stuff every single day. You can see how to find him and more at sixcentsmedia.net. And get my free ebook. I'm promoting Food for the Archons as it's coming, but part one to the story is available for free. Free download, sixcentsmedia.net slash I am human. And you'll be signed up to receive the free seeker newsletter in your inbox every single Sunday morning. I'm Dennis Nappy II, my friends. This has been a great show, great episode of the Secret Podcast. I'll be back next week. I'm with SixCentsMedia.net, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning and keep an open mind. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.